Plato said, those who tell the stories rule society. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. Today on episode 606 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with award-winning best-selling author Aurora Winter. Aurora left her lucrative career as a TV executive decades ago to become a full-time author, trainer, and entrepreneur. Using storytelling for business, she created a life of freedom, creativity, and contribution. Now she helps her clients turn their words into wealth, wisdom, and wonder. If you want to get better at storytelling to help you connect with your audience, you'll want to hear my conversation with Aurora. Stay with us to hear all the details. Do you want to get better at telling your story in a safe place with supportive colleagues? Check out the Smashing the Plateau community where you'll find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, answers to your burning questions, and the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. In the Smashing the Plateau community, you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com community. That's smashingtheplateau.com community. Now let's welcome Aurora Winter. Aurora is an award-winning, best-selling author. She is a successful serial entrepreneur, a media trainer, creator of the Spoken Author Method, and founder of Same Page Publishing. Aurora, welcome to the show. It's so great to be here with you, David, and I look forward to helping your audience turn their words into wealth. Thank you so much. Why does every expert entrepreneur or leader need a book? Well, one thing is scaling your time. One-to-one is very, very slow. You need to communicate one-to-many. And a book is a wonderful way to do so. The second reason is that Amazon is the number three search engine. You got to be on Amazon. If you have some kind of expertise, if you're a professional or an expert or a speaker, having a book on Amazon allows you to reach the world for free. (laughs) Whereas if you'd like to spend money on Google or Facebook or other kinds of social media ads, it's expensive. So I think uh, those are the two reasons, leveraging your time and having a way to leverage Amazon as the number three search engine. Yeah. You know, actually not that many people talk about Amazon being the number three search engine. Yeah. And the cool thing is people go on Amazon ready to buy. They've got their credit card out. Often it's just a click of a button. A book is a low cost purchase. Sometimes they're even free or almost free. I mean, you get a person's probably a decade of their experience for 20 bucks. You don't find a better deal anywhere. Whereas you're interrupting people on other social media platforms or on Google, they could be researching. On YouTube, they're trying to find out how to do something, but they haven't got their credit card out. So Amazon as the number three search engine is awesome. And I've had times where people have, you know, bought my book for a couple of bucks for under $20. And the next thing I know, they're having a phone call with me. They want help with their publishing their book, getting their their pitch together, some kind of messaging help, and they're investing five or six figures. So that's a pretty good funnel. And there's no resistance. (laughs) It is a pretty good funnel. Yes, there's no resistance. I know that for many people, they just the idea of writing a blog post seems overwhelming. I can't tell you how many clients I've spoken to, like, you know, as a podcast producer and host, I'm used to creating content, 
consistently. And when people ask me about what is the secret to producing hundreds of podcast episodes, I say, well, there's, there's actually three principles, consistency, frequency, and quality. And in that order, the consistency is the most important thing. People expect to see something on a schedule. It's, yeah. it's the way humans work. Even though you know we don't have to produce podcasts on a schedule, nobody says you have to do it this way. I think you know we're used to in the old days of print publications getting newspapers or magazines on a daily schedule or a weekly schedule or monthly. So people came, you know, to expect information delivered on some kind of schedule. Yeah. And I find like when I consume people's email newsletters, the ones I pay more attention to are the ones that I know come out on a certain schedule. So the the daily ones that come out at 7 a.m you know, at a certain time zone or the ones that may come out once a week on, you know, have one that I pay attention to comes out every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern. And I know to expect it and I see it come in and then I look at it. Right. It's, it's a relationship. Yeah, very much so. However, when it comes to, as I said, when it comes to creating the content, some people find it very daunting. And in particular with, with written text, oh. if a blog post seems overwhelming, the idea of creating a book is like so far into the stratosphere, they can't even talk about it. Exactly. People have a panic attack just thinking about it. And congratulations, by the way, on, on over 600 episodes now. I listened to episode number 600 where you talk about blog posts and you decide, no, I think maybe we'll go for podcasts because they're easier. I love helping people connect with their most valuable stories. And most people who are not writers, or even some writers, <laughs> kind of panic looking at a blank page. But most people can talk. So what I do with the spoken an author method, which is what we do at the at my publishing company, is I interview people. And people have so many interesting stories. The ones that aren't interesting, we just delete. And the ones that are really interesting, I ask follow-up questions. And before you know it, we've got a wealth of material. People can usually talk at about 8,000 words an hour. If they're talking about their area of expertise, which leaders or entrepreneurs or experts, you know, they have a wealth of knowledge and it, you probably can't stop them from talking. But most people- Yeah, I've had those guests on my shows too. <laughs> <laughs> Most people cannot write 8,000 words even in a whole day. Even 8,000 words in a, in a week of writing would be quite a feat for a non-professional writer. So by interviewing people, we get the spoken author method. We turn that into a book. But the other cool thing is they get used to being interviewed. So they make great podcast guests later. And then we've got all this audio and video that we can slice and dice into little 15 second or one minute or five minute clips and use that to promote them and launch them as thought leaders and launch the book. So I think it's a genius method, but I'm completely biased. <laughs> right. Well, well, what you're also doing, Aurora, is is you're separating the expertise that comes with the subject matter that the the professional has developed over many many years from the process of writing a book. Exactly. And that's one of the myths that I want to bust, that the author of the book is the one agonizing, you know, over typing it all. That's not true. The author of the book, in my view, is the expert 
or the person whose life or business experience it is. And it's totally fine to work with the word wrangler and have somebody interview you, have somebody type it up. I mean, Winston Churchill, Sir Winston Churchill, he won the Pulitzer Prize for literature. And yet he had ghostwriters, secretaries, editors, researchers. We don't think any less of him, but we hold ourselves to a ridiculously high standard that you have to do every single part of that yourself. Why? That's ridiculous. So I really love people to lean into, if you have a story in you and 80% of people want to write a book, why not do it the easy way? Why not work with a team? I mean, look, we're talking today on Squadcast, but, you know, Zoom or even the telephone, <laughs> you can connect with people around the world and, and share your story. And, and like you were saying, David, before we started recording, people remember stories. So many experts get caught up, you know, giving facts and figures, but when they tell stories, that's when they really make an impact that, that lasts and that people can share. Right. Humans are are wired to react to stories. We are. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the story part of the process, because one of the things I also see people struggle with when they're experts, because, you know, as you know, I've interviewed lots of people and I coach people beforehand. I say, tell stories. Yes, yeah. you're an expert in whatever it is. You're, you know, a marketing consultant, a, a sales trainer, uh, you're a process expert, but tell some stories because the audience will react to the stories, and yet they often struggle to do so. Yeah. It's because they're too deep into their expertise and they don't, uh, well, dumb it down might be insulting, but they don't you know, communicate in simple language. But while we're talking about stories, I think you'll like this, David. So Plato said, those who tell the stories rule society. Not that we're seeing that happening today, but anyway. So those who tell the stories rule society. So there's a great deal of value in, in leveraging your story. And here's a story about storytelling. So I help people publish their books, but I also help entrepreneurs pitch who want to raise capital. So these are typically super smart, super ambitious, A-type personalities. But when they come to me, on, on average, they've raised nothing <laughs> because they can't get to the heart of the message. So one of these people was Tarney Williams. He's the CEO of Blueprint Reality. The first event he came to, everybody in the audience, when he came to the front, because I have everybody pitch from the front of the room. When he pitched from the front of the room, everybody thought, I really like him. I know he's really smart. I trust him, but I have no idea what his business is doing. And by the end of the three-day event, when he had another opportunity to come up to the front of the room and share what, what he does at Blueprint Reality, not only did people get it, but people in the audience invested in his company. So what had changed? He didn't work any harder on his business. He didn't hire any more people. He simply got clear on a story that others could understand. And when you are a visionary, and lots of people I work with, you know, they're leaders, they're experts, they're, they have a vision for a way to improve the world. People love to align with that. If only they could understand what the heck you're talking about. So on average, my clients have gone from raising nothing to on on average, $7 million by getting clear on their message. Oh, and I just talked to one of them over the weekend. He's now raised $30 million, so I'll have to up the average and work that, work that in. So that's the power of story. In fact, I have a little story of the 27X. You want me to get into that, David? Please. Okay. So I do have an MBA, so I like stories, but I also like to see where's, you know, show me the data. So there's a really great book called uh, Significant Objects, where they actually did a, an experiment to see, well, what really is the value of a story? They put 100 distinct objects on eBay. 
with or without a story to see, well, what would be the difference? So I've already blown my punchline because I can't ask you <laughs> what do you think it sold for more or, or less and how much more because we already got the cat out of the bag that 27X was the result. But what was interesting is the stories were written by, by all kinds of different people, 100 different people, 100 different objects. Some of the stories even were not, most of the stories were not hype. Most of the stories were not like, by now, kind of pitching. They were just adding significance. The book is called Significant Objects. So an example would be uh, one of the objects was um, a pot mitt holder, you know, to take things out of the oven. And the person wrote, I have such fond memories about my grandmother baking chocolate chip cookies for me. I remember how wonderful they smelled when they came out of the oven. I just you know, couldn't wait to take a bite, but she made me wait at least three minutes so I wouldn't burn my mouth. And that's my memories about these pot mitt holders. And so on average, the items sold for 27 times more, 2,700% more. And the stories just added significance. You don't have to be the world's fanciest, smanciest writer. Just put your heart in it. Put Double down on being human, add something, add a story. So what is the takeaway lesson? The takeaway lesson, this is a hard one for me to learn because I can be a type personality, is stop working so freaking hard, making your thing better and managing your people more tightly and hiring more people. Instead, devote some time to working on your stories. And who knows, maybe you'll increase the value of what you're selling by a substantial margin. Yeah, that's uh, well said. And, and I love the you know, supporting the message with data, Aurora. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the particular nuances of audio storytelling versus visual storytelling? Yeah, I love, my background is a film and television executive producer, so I do love video. But what is so cool about audio, I listen to so many audiobooks, even things that are on YouTube that have a video. Usually I'm just listening because I'm doing something else. I'm, I'm no extra time. I'm jogging, I'm gardening, I'm doing the dishes. What I love about audio, which is why I love interviewing people, is everything is a waveform. And so the essence of who that person is, is in the waveform of the audio. So when the words are frozen on the page, it's much more difficult. It takes a much better writer to capture the full energy of that person. But when you hear a person's voice, you get them, you know them, you understand them. And inflection's there, the story points are there. You can you can understand whether they're being sarcastic or they're being um, sincere or what's going on. So that's one of the things I love about audio. What about you, David? As a podcast host, you must have a lot of thoughts about the value of audio. Yeah, earlier on in my podcasting career, I uh, took a course same course that's that's uh, I believe is delivered at the Columbia School of Journalism about um, and it was in particular about audio storytelling and um, one of the things that was described in the course was the intimacy mm -hmm. of audio storytelling when you have somebody just in your ears it very often feels like it's just a one-to-one -one conversation like you're especially if the if the storyteller is delivering the message, imagining who the listener is yeah. and using story to, to deliver the message, when you're the listener, it sounds like the person who's on the other end, who's, who's speaking, is speaking right to you in a way that I think doesn't happen when you're watching a video. 
Yeah, exactly right. When it's a video, we're more aware that it's a performance for on the stage with a bigger audience. But you're quite right about the intimacy of audio. And because anyone in business knows that business moves at the speed of trust, getting uh, the opportunity to connect with people who may become your clients through audio is wonderful. I love that intimacy point. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the other aspects of communication Mm -hmm. that you specialize in. What is it that the people that are most effective at communicating do differently? I think one of the keys that I really would like people to know is that it's not like people are born as good communicators or bad communicators and that's it. (laughs) It's all about learning. It's all about growth. It's all about studying. I mean, I've studied communication my whole life and I'm still this past weekend, I was rereading a great book called Save the Cat. The last book you'll ever need about screenwriting. Why? Because the distance between good and mastery is is never closed. So one of the things that great communicators do differently is they embrace that it is a skill and a capacity. So with a skill, you need to keep learning. And with a capacity, you need to keep practicing, right? So it's like the famous pianist who said, you know, if I don't practice for one day, I can hear the difference. If I don't practice for two days, my wife can hear the difference. And if I don't practice for three days, the world can hear the difference. So skills, training, and capacity. Yeah, that's great. Aurora, what haven't I asked you that you would like to share about communicating and storytelling and writing, particular for those that are trying to make a, a living with their expertise in their own business? Yeah. I'd love to share that there's actually neuroscience for those of you who are like super intelligent or listening to this, who like the analysis of it. So just like the 27X story, learn a little bit about the neuroscience of communication. So most of us who are well-educated, you know, university taught us, unless you took the course that David took in Columbia, university taught us to send the mental equivalent of an Excel spreadsheet. But in fact, that's not how communication works. You want to first address the the crock brain, which is just looking for, you know, what's the big picture? What's this about? Is this something good? Is this something juicy? Is this something I want to eat or mate with? Or is it something nice and shiny? So an example of that would be the title of my book, Turn Words Into Wealth. Oh, if you're interested in that, you know, you'll listen some more. Then the second step is the midbrain. The midbrain is always looking for social status. Like where is this person on social status? So David, for example, I looked at his LinkedIn profile and he's been lauded by Forbes magazine and by Inc. magazine. And like, wow, okay, that's really cool. So that is meeting the social status or for the book, Turn Words Into Wealth. We want to continue that. It's won nine book awards in 2021 as the best new business book. So, oh, other people think this book is worth considering. That is the midbrain. You want to communicate in this sequence. And then the third step, if you're so lucky as to get past those two, is you do get to address the decision maker. And that is where you get to bring out your 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 facts and your figures, your 27X or whatever your, your version of that is. But don't start there. Instead, uh, understand that sequence. So just understanding that will help you a whole bunch. So crock brain, social brain, and then you get to address the decision maker. And to just emphasize this point, like Steve Jobs practiced for three weeks before the Apple pitches. I'm sure he was busy. 
So don't use the excuse that you're too busy to practice. He practiced, you know, where to stand, when he was going to press the clicker, how he was going to emphasize his points. If it could be worth three weeks of his time, spending a bit more time with your message could pay huge dividends as well, especially if you lean into the neuroscience of it and don't just keep doing the same thing. <laughs> that didn't right. work last time. <laughs> the, the other thing, I, uh, you know, one of my guiding principles when I think about trying something that seems daunting, like mm -hmm. if you're not someone who's done a lot of public speaking, the first time you do a particular kind of presentation can seem very daunting. Yeah. I know I felt this way about podcasting when I did my first episode, is if you're not embarrassed by the first time you tried to do something, you waited too long to start. Love it. That's really great. Yeah. That's that's a really good one. One other thing I'd love people to know who may be considering writing a book is think it all the way through, or, and why not model success? So Turn Words Into Wealth shows seven different business models for monetizing a book. And this book is designed for, you know, for entrepreneurs and experts and leaders. So the worst way to make a million dollars with a book is selling books. That <laughs> there's seven ways that are far more profitable. And in, in uh, the book, Turn Words Into Wealth, I walk you through how I've done it, or my clients have done it, or famous people like Tim Ferriss or Sir Winston Churchill or Arianna Huffington or Howard Schultz have done it. So there's seven different ways. And your book can relate because Amazon is such a good search engine, number third search engine. It can help you attract premium clients at premium prices. It can help you attract investors and launch a startup. It can uh, get you a TV or movie deal. We all know that can be lucrative. You can use the free book plus upsell model. I've used that as well as Jeff Walker teaches that and he's done that successfully as well as Brendan Bouchard and a bunch of people. Uh, speaking is the most lucrative profession, but you kind of need to have a book to to speak on a lot of platforms. You can also do- And to get paid well for it. And to get paid well for it, exactly right. I was just listening this morning to uh, you know some speakers on um, Ryan Holiday actually talking about stoicism and he's addressing a huge crowd, but he's got a whole bunch of books. Um, training and certification, I did that. I used several books to bring me uh, clients and I, and I trained them and certified them as, as coaches. Or my favorite one is the Evergreen bestseller. So obviously time doesn't permit us to go into all of those, but there's seven different business models to monetize it. And I've made so many, so many mistakes. I like to save people the other mistakes. One mistake I don't want people to make is to think of your book as the end of the conversation or the end of their relationship. So when people read a book and they like it, they're probably going to want more. So even just a little um, call to action at the end of your book, you know, visit my website, come listen to my podcast. If you want more, come here, can make the difference between your book being, oh, that's the end or, oh, that's the beginning of a relationship. Yeah. One of the things that I really love about your book, Turn Words Into Wealth, Aurora, is that it is very practical. Um, yes, you you do outline the principles that are important to use your words and use it in a way that produces a book that can that can then lead to revenue and lead to other kinds of success. But you are very practical in saying how to do all those steps. Oh, thank you. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you liked it. Well, I'm an entrepreneur and I like a, pl a practical blueprint. What stood out to you from reading it, David? I really like the fact that you listed those seven different methods for making money from a book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, many people that, that help experts create books talk about the process of creating the book, 
but they don't talk about what comes afterwards. Uh, I know. Almost everybody misses that most important step. <laughs> Let's monetize yeah. this so it's not simply a gift to other people and a hobby. But, you know, in order to keep sharing your message, you you need to make money. So let's, it's not a sin. <laughs> it's practical. Exactly. exactly. So, so speaking of next steps, you know, you and I can probably go on for hours talking about this subject. If someone wants to go deeper with anything that we've discussed today, access any resources you have or get a copy of your book, Turn Words Into Wealth, or any of your other books, where would be the best place for them to go? Oh, thanks, David. Well, you can get my books, Turn Words Into Wealth, and, and other books, Marketing Fast Track, etc. Wherever books are sold, Amazon, of course, is the most popular retailer, but they're also on Apple and Kobo and Google Play. I'd love you to come visit me on my website, which is my name, aurorawinter.com. And you can, uh, if you choose to join our, our, our mailing list, you can get free videos and free eBooks and free audiobook and other goodies like that. If you're interested in getting help with your message, with pitching to raise capital, cap, pitching to raise capital, or writing and publishing a book using the spoken author method, which I promise is fun, then you can sign up for a business breakthrough session with me on my website, or you can just go to bookcall.biz. I'd love to chat with you and continue the conversation. Sounds great. Aurora, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guest has been award-winning, best-selling author Aurora Winter. Thank you again, Aurora, for joining us. Oh, such a pleasure, David. Thank you. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Do you want to get better at telling your story in a safe place with supportive colleagues? Check out the Smashing the Plateau community where you'll find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, answers to your burning questions, and the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues. In the Smashing the Plateau community, you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com community. That's smashingtheplateau.com community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.